Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. I'd love to get a whole group vibe going because I want to start out with our traditional meditation today. And I've been putting it in the middle toward the end because I don't want everybody to have to come in in the middle of that thing. So let me just tell you what the topic will be today. It's letting the forest steer your life. Um, And then... I want to just, I'll, I'll chat about it for a second and then we'll do the meditation and go from there. So I've been talking to more and more people that I've known, like I have lived long now and I have traveled many places and I've had many jobs and I've met famous people and impoverished people and wonderful people everywhere. And it just strikes me that because we come from a, a culture that denies spirituality, at least those, well, you're either going to go with religion or science, basically, in the way our culture is set up. And from my childhood on, people kind of had to choose one of those two. And there were no, there wasn't as big a group in the Western world that would sign a box that went, that would tick a box that goes, I am spiritual, but not religious. And um, I went, I had a wonderful experience a couple of weeks ago going to see Ani DeFranco, who is an amazing musician and, and poet, really. I mean, her songs are really both um, great music and great poetry. And uh, my partner, Ro, is a, a fan of hers, uh, a, a like crazy fan, like would drink her bathwater level fan um, from way back. And she's kind of a protest girl. So I was, I was very excited to see her in New York City. And it was in a small venue. And it was just standing room and everybody was packed together. And she's not a large person. She's like five foot two, Ani DeFranco. And I was behind some large people. So when she came on stage, there was the opening act, which is wonderful and fun. And then I did not see her come on stage. And a lot of people didn't see her but we felt something come into the room. I think it's safe to say we, even though I wasn't, I didn't ask all the people there, but I was like, whoa, something just came into the room. And since that, so then we listened to her songs and I had such a blow away experience because it's very much like when we in the gathering room are all thinking the same thoughts and I can feel you. It was like that plus the sound vibration of the music itself, which was very powerful and which, I mean, now I've always known why people uh, chant and sing and um, do invocations and things in worship ceremonies because the actual vibration of sound affects our vagus nerves and puts us into a calm state and it's very, very powerful. Well, this one blew me away, not because the music was loud, but because I couldn't believe where it was taking me. It was taking me right into what I consider to be a space of worship. And she actually sang this song called Adam, which I'm obsessed with, where she talks about the the Adam as being this incredible thing. And she says, let us bow our heads in prayer to the magnificent consciousness incarnate there in the Adam. And I was like, oh, she feels the same spirituality that I do. Like she's, no wonder I'm vibrating like nothing doing because we're kind of thinking in the same ways and everyone in this room is on board. So now before I go on with what I wanted to say is like more and more people that I know that are famous or that are 
scientists or whatever, are now coming forward and saying out loud that they've been nurturing a kind of non-religious spirituality, and it's getting very strong. And people are just starting to talk about it and write songs about it, and it's different from traditional religion. And it is not this fatuous opiate of the masses thing that makes everybody just, oh, God is there and I'll take my punishment. No, it's something else. It's something deep and vital and it's awakening in a lot of us. And I think it's awakening in you gathering room folks. And to give you, give us all another taste of it, I am now going to assume we're mostly here and let's go into the meditation. So first, if you're looking at a screen, either your phone or uh, your computer, change the focus of your attention so that you are looking at the space, the open space between your eyes and the device, your eyes and the screen. So don't look at me, look at the space between that image and your eyes. And while listening to me, also tune for the silence underneath any sound you can hear. So look at the space between us and listen to the silence around us and under the sounds and then ask the key question that puts your mind into that open focus state. Can I imagine the distance between my eyes? You don't need to answer the question. You need to let it sit in you. Can I imagine the distance between my eyes. Can I imagine the empty space in the atoms in the matter between my eyes? Can I imagine the openness in all of matter? Can I imagine the silence in the space of the atoms that make up my body? Can I imagine the stillness in which all action takes place? Can I imagine the hundreds of people all over this planet at this moment who are listening to the same silence right now? Can we feel, can we imagine the distance between each other and the distance that holds us all connected. So feel the vibe of that. I felt it really spike right at the beginning, it went down a little. It's actually gotten to the point where I can feel this energy all the time if I feel for it. And right now I feel a little altered. I feel like a bit like I'm levitating, like I don't feel as solid. And this is what happened at the Ana DeFranco concert big time. I, all I'd have to do is close my eyes and my body was gone, 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 gone. And yet the presence of this beauty, this... Um, the prayer to the uh, magnificent consciousness incarnate in our atoms, that was there. And it was like the whole room was holding each other and sending out energy. And I can't describe the feeling, but I know 
that that's how I need to steer my life by that sensation. So I wrote a, my first self-help book was called Finding Your Own North Star. At the time, it was more an emotional thing for me. Now, my own North Star is directly headed into the silence and the stillness. And I was talking to another writer today, and she's just, you know, she's got a book on the bestseller list, but now it's time to write another one. And it's very weird when you've put all your energy into writing a book for, year, you know, multiple years, and then it's out there and it will keep selling for a long time, but it's like over as far as you're concerned. It's done. It's being delivered. And then you have to decide to spend the next few years of your life doing something which may or may not work. It's a very, um, it's the kind of life that does make you want to uh, pray a lot. <laughs> and uh, she was calling me to say, you know, she was kicking around ideas for, for her next book. And she said, um, I said, I think you just have to, number one, you might want to just come out as a spiritual person because she's a scientist and a reporter, and um, you might just want to admit that you've had this spiritual side the whole time, and it's really how you've been making your choices the whole time. Um, but also, you need to let yourself dive into wherever that energy is strongest. You need to just go with it. You need to let it steer. Trust the force. And she said, you know, I was trying to, the whole manifesting things, the whole new age, you're going to manifest things like the secret. I'm going to think about something and that'll, it will happen. She and I have done some manifesting together that worked extremely well. Um, just like hanging out and saying, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And then boom, it happened. But she was saying she'd lost, she'd sort of lost faith in it. Because what I was telling her is you have to go out on faith. And she's like, I don't have a faith. And I'm like, no, no, we don't have a strict religious faith, but we have faith. We know the feeling of that silence, of that stillness, of that sweetness. And we know that it's alive and we know that it's conscious and we know that we're all part of it and it wants to steer our lives. And when we let it, things go well. And she, she told me this story. I hope she doesn't mind my telling it. It's, you don't know who she is, but um, she said, she had seen in, in a magazine or online these um, sandals that she just really loved them, but they were a ridiculous amount of money. They were stupid expensive. And she was like, no, God, not that materialistic. But she just couldn't stop thinking about these sandals. So um, then she went to a book signing and they gave her a voucher for this other store. And she went to the store and there was a single pair of these sandals that she'd seen in a magazine like a month or two earlier. And they were her size. There was only one pair and they were on super clear out sale. And the amount they were for was exactly the amount of the voucher she'd just been given. And she said, and I thought this was really interesting. You have to spend that voucher on the thing you manifested. You have to like, when you give your life to the force and, and something good happens, you need to not say, wow, what a coincidence. You could say it might be a coincidence scientifically, but you also need to say it could be magical manifestation energy. Like it really doesn't look like a coincidence at this point. And then you have to actually spend the money, the voucher on the thing you've manifested or you kill it. And, and the thing that's so interesting is 
I'm working on a book. She's thinking of another book. And, you know, it's easy to get very serious and get into the mindset of our culture. Yeah, we're going to do things that are good for the readership and make, you know, make it accessible to, and marketable and all that stuff. But when you get to the real magic, it's actually a joy ride. It's, it's almost silly. You're given things you didn't even really need just to show you. She said that happened almost more. I didn't need the sandals. It happened to show me that I can manifest. Um, we have friends from South Africa staying here with us. And so, some of our other friends tell a story about being at a beach resort where they were desperate for flip-flops and matches. They just wanted flip-flops and matches. And they were sitting around in the rain in this place going, oh, we just had some flip-flops and some matches. And then they go, went out on a boat the next day to see the dolphins. And instead they found the whole sea covered with boxes, like floating. So they stopped their boat and they pulled in a box and they opened it and out of one half of it spilled flip-flops and out of the other half spilled matches. And then they saw that a, a cart, a big container had fallen off a ship and had broken open and just spilled untold thousands of flip-flops and matches. And all the people on the beach were coming to pick them up and flip-flops and matches, you know, what? what's that about? And our friend here said, you know, when they tell that story, they are not exaggerating. That is actually how it happened. It's that silly sometimes. It's fun. It's light. And, you know, we, we do the meditation and it's still and it's solemn. But I'm telling you, when you start letting it steer your life, get prepared to have some good times. And we're not trained to think of spiritual a spiritually led life as being hilarious or silly or goofy. But I think, I think we're all those things. I think that's the best of us. I think that laughter is the beginning of prayer. I think that the most spiritual people I know are the most funny as well. And I think that if you today decide you're going to manifest something and make it silly but real, like she could not stop thinking about these stupid sandals, right? My friends could not stop thinking about flip-flops and matches. If you really, really focus on it, and then you really, really go into a joyful space where you're just hanging with your friends or reading a funny book or doing something that feeds your spirit, that's when you start to see you are being led, you are being steered. And sometimes the way you're told those things is downright laughable because the forest loves to laugh. We're not just saving, you know, saving ourselves in dire circumstances. We're here to thrive. We're here to have fun. So... I'm going to start doing some questions here. Buddhified says, what if there's one particular thing you can never manifest? Paris twice, Barbados, etc. but I can't seem to get to Italy, for example. Well, one of the things is that, I've talked about this a lot of times, if you get too, if you want something a lot, you tend to attach to the idea of it. And then you're trying to force it into existence. That is not how the forest works. It's exactly like Luke Skywalker focused on his instruments and being told, now relax, close your eyes. There's, there's what is the, the Star Wars where the woman, the girl is the one with the force and she's being like held down over the edge of a cliff and she's got her lightsaber and the villain is about to kill her and then she just relaxes completely. And then suddenly the force 
picks her up and throws her forward and and she wins so it's when you go slack it's when you surrender to okay maybe it'll never happen all right i'll be fine that's when it always comes to pass so put but you have to have that intense burst of focus and then complete relaxation it's very hard but it's a skill that is the skill we need to master to know what to do with the rest of our lives because folks nobody knows what we'll be doing in 10 years i mean things are crazy fast changes everywhere so might as well learn to live through fun and non-attachment okay constellations in her bones says is there brain science on the nature of play and stillness i'm amazed by universe abundance and the joy that's happening thank the science of fun thank you marty and roe oh you're so welcome um there is brain science of play and maybe silliness um I don't know if it's ever been studied in combination with spirituality, which has also been studied. There are good neurological studies on how spirituality lights up parts of the brain. I wonder if those parts are the same things that light up when we're having fun and laughing. I suspect they are. So the solemn reverent thing, which is what I was told in religion as a child, I don't think that lights up the same spaces. Because one of the things I notice is that when the energy rises, like it always does here, um, it always feels like play to me. Not sometimes, always. And that makes me think, huh, I bet there is an overlap, a very strong overlap between the nature of play in the brain and the nature of spirit. Great question. I'm going to go look it up and see if there's science. Okay. Samita Needleman says, what are the differences between being steered by spirit versus our egos? Fabulous question. Um, the ego feels forced. It feels anxious. I'm writing about anxiety now. And, and we live in an age of incredible anxiety. And anything you try to do that is flavored by fear is ego. And more and more people are getting more and more scared of doing more and more things because we have this culture that it pushes us into a way of thinking that is primarily happening on the left side of the brain where also the wiring for anxiety lives. So if there is any anxiety and a motivation for something, it's like, oh, I really want my child to do well in school because he better get a job. Oh my God. I mean, like, or... I, I don't want my friend to think her, her child is doing better than mine in school. Like if there's any competing, comparing, measuring anxiety, clenched energy, that's ego. And you just felt, if you were tuning into the meditation, the different sensation, the different vibe of spirit. It is, there's this, there's this strange feeling of being lifted and, and permeated. And then what's interesting then is that you make choices that seem to have made themselves. Like you end up doing things that, like my friend that I was talking to today and I, we once just went on a trip someplace just because we were like, we're going there, aren't we? And then we did. And some other friends, we just went there. And we had profoundly enlightening experiences there, but no one ever knew why we went. 
when when we used to do uh, entrance um, polls for the life coach training that I run, Wayfinder Life Coaching, um, and we'd ask people, why did you sign up? This is before we did any marketing or anything. And uh, 85% of the people we asked said they had no idea. <laughs> and we were like, Yes, that's what we're looking for, complete. Not that they didn't know why they were doing it, it's just that they didn't know why with their minds. They knew why at a deeper level. They felt the truth of it. It was just right for them, which is the only reason I even created it. It's not like I sat down and said, how am I gonna make money? It just happened. That's the best I can tell you. So Fatima says, I detested the book, The Secret. I totally agree with you. It was mean and manifesting has this icky connotation in my mind of forcing and using the universe as a butler. I'm sure you mean something different when you say manifest. Yes. Can you please elaborate? Yes. This is what I found out is that I found, you know, with, with all due respect to the author, I did not like the book, The Secret. Um, when it said something like, you cannot get an illness unless you believe, you I was just like, oh my, no, no. I, at the same time, there was something about it that kind of was like, mm, I have had a lot of experiences where I just think of something and then it happens. And I may have told you this story before. I read it on a plane and it upset me so much. And I got off the plane and I was brooding about it. And I got a call from someone who said, I just read the secret. And I got to the part where it mentions you. And I just thought I'd give you a call and say, that was cool. And I was like, I'm not in that book. I just literally just read it. Like it was still burning my eyeballs. And they said, no, you're in it. It turned out that somebody had written a different book called The Secret. This guy is like a rabbi. And he wrote a book called The Secret and he, he references me. Now, the thing that bothered me about this was that I was saying, no, you cannot, things you think about don't just pop into your life. And I was thinking intensely about the book, The Secret, and some, a book called The Secret with me and it popped into my life. And I was so angry, I sat down on my luggage in the airport and just went, no, this can't be right. In the years since then, I've calmed down a little. And here's what I found. It only works if you're in integrity. And that's why I wrote the book, The Way of Integrity. Because if you are doing something, if you're lying to yourself about things and you kind of know it, but you're living that way anyway, if you know a certain thing is right for you and you're not doing it, or you know something's wrong for you and you're doing it anyway, and make anything that takes you out of integrity, that takes you away from your true self, cuts the magic. You can force things to happen from that place, but it's way harder and it's not, it doesn't feel magical at all. But when I went on integrity cleanses just to live in, in my deepest truth and with no other objective, I actually did that in reaction to the whole manifesting thing. I was like, no, spirituality is not about making Ferraris. Spir spirituality is about being true to what you know in your deepest heart. So I meditated for many hours and I adjusted my behavior and I did all these things just to be true. And folks, things just manifested like, it was like popcorn, like, and it just, it went nuts. The more honest I got, the more rapid and powerful the manifestations. And there were so many of them, I couldn't deny it. So that's what I always tell people. Um, you. 
you can do this, but first you have to put yourself into integrity. And the universe is not your butler. The universe is a continuous aspect of your consciousness that loves you to play with it by giving up your ego, which is the opposite of a lot of the clingy ways that people try to manifest stuff. Um, City Lotus says, to manifest something, do we visualize it? How do we do this? Visualize it and be specific. Be really specific. Like write, one of the famous methods is if you don't have somebody, like a special someone, you sit down, or a friend or whatever, you sit down and write 100 characteristics that you want in a friend or in a partner or whatever. And, and you make sure it's 100 things you really care about. And by getting that granular, that specific, you really do seem to be able, you're starting to visualize it by writing down the list. And it is really helpful. <laughs> I mean, the fact is, I think it's kind of stupid too, but I also think it works. <laughs> but only if you're in your truth. Try it, try it. Prove me wrong, prove me wrong. I don't care, just try it. Um, so Donna says, how can we calm anxiety so you can be playful with what you want? You have to start with little things that don't matter as much to you. A pair of sandals, um, but you have to have a genuine pull toward them. And also if you do a lot of meditating, like can I imagine the distance between my eyes, your anxiety will go down. Um, it'll train your brain away from it. And the more you train your brain away from anxiety, the more creative you become and the more magical manifestation occurs. I think it has something to do with living more in the whole brain and the right side of the brain than just the left side of the brain. We'll see as science goes along. Jessica says, do you feel still feel like a vision board is useful, Martha? Or do you think just sitting in our imaginations is really more powerful? Once again, vision boards, super tacky. They work. I don't know. They just work. Try it. Try it. Like, I've, I, I don't think I have a current vision board going. And by current, I, I mean that because every time I make one, it always manifests. Because I really, really love the thing. It's, very, it's there. And I've learned to cut around anything I don't want in my life because the things on the vision board seem to come whether I want them or not. So I can't even believe I talk like this and I've been doing it for years. So yeah, vision board's awesome. Angie says, is it possible that after doing manifestation, I get weak, even sick sometimes? How come? I believe that can happen when you're not actually in a life that is conducive to your spirituality. And so you go deeply into a spiritual experience for you. Then you go back into, say, a job or a social environment that is wrong for that. And the contrast can, in my experience, can make people feel sick. Um, or a sick feeling is your cue that you should, you should move. Like that is one way of being steered by the force. This doesn't feel good. I'm going to go over here and see if that feels better. I always tell people it's like the game, you're getting warmer, you're getting colder. That feeling of, I just move toward it, no matter where it says I should go. And as long as I never leave it, I don't have, I don't get sick afterwards. I don't feel sick in other places because I don't go to the other places. All right, Janet says, for those who are compelled by the concept of manifesting but don't think the secret is for you, try the serendipity mindset by Christian, oh, I love Christian Bush. 
uh, PhD. It's research-based and fascinating. Yeah. And don't get it from Amazon. Get it from your local indie bookstore or library. Thank you, Janet. I'm going to read it. I haven't read it. I love that idea. Okay. So finally, Cleo says, I'm trying to manifest work I love. How do I calm the really extreme anxiety about being able to pay the bills whilst taking positive adult steps in the right direction? Plus, I also have ADD, which makes things a little extra challenging. I think it does. I have ADD too. But I also think it gives us more access to imagination, maybe, than somebody with a different neurotype. And so use it. Uh, Use whatever your brain loves to do. For you, I'd say get distracted from the things that worry you. You know what you want. What you don't want to do is think, think, think about the bad stuff that will happen if you don't get what you want. So set a goal, put it out there. Okay, I need this much income. I'd love to have a life with these things in it. This, that makes me feel happy. And then distract yourself. That's the thing about um, if my friend had wanted something that she thought she could buy, that she was thinking of earning for, she wouldn't have done it. It wouldn't have happened the way it did. If my South African friends had had not been like distracted by looking for the dolphins, if they hadn't gone out looking for dolphins, which they didn't see, they would never have seen this manifestation of the flip-flops and matches. And then another thing I would love you all to do is go to the times in your life when something has manifested, whether you worked for it or didn't work for it. You just go to the the fulfillment of a dream and and just dive into that energy and then go to the meditation we use. Can I imagine the distance between my eyes? And remember what it was like to be given what you wanted while you do that meditation. So you're in that state and it brings them together. And then first of all, just enjoy that. And then see if you have a little pull towards something. Because part of the manifestation is that you are drawn towards something as it is drawn toward you. So get in the vibe, feel the joy, think about what you want and then let it go and tell me what happens because it can be very, very cool. And I hope that the friend I was talking about today, that Anya DeFranco, that you and I and all of us really are creating more of this energy all the time so that it gets easier. All boats rise with the tide, right? And the tide is rising, people. It really is rising. So manifest something this week. Have a great time doing it. And I will see you soon again here on The Gathering Room. Bye. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck. Me. And Rowan Mangan. Me. Created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. 
Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.